Hello, and welcome to the new episode of Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I am Maria Skobepile, your host. Today, I have a privilege of talking to Irit Izips, CEO for CSM Practice, a global customer success management consulting firm. Some call her CSM guru, as she's consistently voted top customer success influencer for the past seven years and is frequently featured as a speaker at conferences and customer success publications. In today's episode, Irit is sharing her career journey and strategies on getting the first CSM job. So, what did we talk about? Transitioning into customer success industry, where to start from? Then, how to secure the interview for your first customer success job? And what to say and what not to say at the interview? I'm very excited about this episode, so let's get into it. Welcome to Women in Customer Success podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm a big fan of your work, especially your YouTube channel. It is such a terrific resource. And I'm really so pleased that today I can introduce you to the listeners. I'm not sure if you're aware, but from this side of the pond, you are known as a customer success guru, you know, a lady who knows it all about customer success. So I'm really excited for this conversation today. Thank and you very much. One of my main goals for the podcast is sharing women's unique career stories. So why wouldn't you start by telling me yours? Awesome. I mean, where where do I start? Do you, like the specific customer success career or what would you like to hear exactly? Everything that led you to where you are today. You know, all the important bits that made you you. I think, you know, if I look back to my childhood, I grew up in a very unique environment where back in the 70s in Israel, the government has issued a, a regulation that anybody that wanted to do fumigation had to have a license. And so everybody in my family, and I mean everyone in the family, my uncles, their cousins, everyone had decided that this is an opportunity of a lifetime. They all got licenses and we as a family controlled the uh, 90% of the killing of all cockroaches in Israel for the next 20 years. But what I've seen is really is that, you know, there were a lot of, everybody were an entrepreneur and they all had the same businesses. And as you went through this 20 year span of the family controlling that market, you've seen that some of the uncles and nephews and nieces that they had, like that clan, some of them did really, really well. And some of them just did okay. And I think my, you, my small niche family, my dad and my mom just did okay. Whereas I watched some of my uncles get super rich. And I always thought to myself, how is this possible? We all started at the same time. We all had the same starting point same reason, same market. How can that be? And I think that became sort of my makeup answering that question. How come some companies get customers, retain customers, doing better at growth, whereas some companies don't? 
And I would say that led me to where I am right now doing consulting is because I have this inquisitive mindset around why things happen, how to make things better. And the, you know, how I got to customer success was a very <laughs> random story. I, you know, I worked with clients all my life, obviously. I've done a lot of business intelligence implementation. I worked the PwC with clients. But then sometimes after I gave birth and I had young children, I wanted to start working for software companies. And I worked for a company called Host Analytics. The founder of Host Analytics, Jim Eberlin, an amazing man, is also the founder of Gainsight. Not a lot of people know that. But back in, I think it was February 2013, I gave him a call and I said, hey, Jim, you know, since you love Post Analytics, things are not exactly the same. We really miss you. Uh, I know he moved to another company. And he said, you know what? I just got my round A of funding. Would you like to come interview for my, with my new CEO, Nick Maida? And so I did. And about two, three weeks later, I got my first job at Gainsight. And that's how I got into customer success. We were essentially for the next year and a half with Gainsight team, we started to create the category for what is customer success. We must have interviewed about 200 different customer success executives to just understand how they are doing customer retention, how they're leveraging NPS scores to retain customers, to increase satisfaction. How do they mitigate for churn risks? What kind of playbooks they have? How do they create health scores? You know, all of that. So uh, after a year and a half, when I went back to doing consulting, um, I had a plethora, you know, plethora of information and I got my, my first client and then I never looked back. It's been a, a great journey. Definitely sounds like an amazing journey. And there's already a few things that I really wanted to ask you. So you kind of made a phone call to, to, to the previous boss. Is that something that you would normally do? Was there any particular event that you decided, oh, let me give him a call? Or you are on you know, regular basis getting back to your previous connections? How does that work? I mean, it was definitely a perfect timing. It was a perfect timing. I think it takes two to tango. First of all, Jim Eberlin is one of the most unique, amazing, generous, humble people I know and have ever worked with or for. I remember working at Host Analytics, must have been two weeks into it. I wasn't even an executive there. I was just one of the people in the sales team. And he and we had an, a company event and I had a seat next to me at the lunch you know, at the last lunch session for the entire company, he chose to sit by me. This is back then the founder and CEO of Host Analytics, the, that successful company, choosing to sit. And then he had a complete engaging conversation with me at the time that just completely floored me. How, how does a, a man at his caliber and stature just sits randomly with a person he's never met? Because I was practically new and just have this really engaging conversation to really understand what I think about the company, what is my perception of things. It was really great conversation. So, you know, when I decided to reach out to him, I just had a conversation with another colleague, ex-colleagues from Host Analytics, and his name came up. And I thought, wow, in a very positive way, obviously. So I thought to myself, well, I have to tell him you know, how much everybody speaks highly of him. It was more of a 
you know, like, oh, we just spoke so highly of him. Let me just give him a call and let him know, you know, how much everybody else is thinking greatly of him besides me. And he, he, we, he and I didn't work at that time together. It was just the, you know, I, I think sometimes when you have good intentions and kindness, it, it just karma, <laughs> it just goes around. And I think that's a good mindset to have in general. Don't call people because you need something, call them because you have something to give. No, this is an amazing example of how amazing door it opened for you just by you being, as you said, kind and wanted to give something. Perfect. Another thing that I wonder from your story, so you were at Gainsight for a year and, and something, and then you went into consultants. So what was that decision? Did you think of, oh, I'm having lots of information now. I could do something great with it. <laughs> was it very intentional or it was just the circumstances that you decided you are going to consulting? Yeah, so when I left Gainside, uh, you know, this this was after a few years that I've done mostly consulting. After my bachelor's degree and master's de- degree, I mostly work at consulting firms. And I would say that even though I worked at Host Analytics and then at Gainsight, that was the only experience I actually had almost in working with software companies. Uh, and so I felt much more comfortable doing consulting work. That said, actually meant to take a sabbatical after Gainsight. I thought to myself, this is a time where I could just take a year to think about what it is that I wanted to do. Because I felt a little lost, I think, in in the, the career path I was taking. I mean, remember, I was doing consulting for many years, and then all of a sudden I did software, and I didn't really quite find my place within the software world. I didn't, it didn't really feel right. It felt like a square peg in a round hole. I thought, why don't I just take a sabbatical and kind of think about what it is that I wanted to do. The, I gave uh, Nick Meda my notice, my, my CEO, and then I went to have a coffee with uh, one of the presenters at the very first polls. And uh, we did, I think, a discussion panel together. And we sat down for coffee and she asked me, hey, what are you going to do after Gainsight? She didn't even know I was leaving Gainsight at that time. And I said, did you know? Did somebody tell you I was leaving? She said, no, no, no. I just wanted to know. I was like, oh, you know, I just gave notice. How funny. And she said, you know what? I really, she, she used to work at Intact back then. She was the VP sales and customer success at Intact. And she said, you know, I really need someone to help us navigate through the process of creating a customer for life program, which really is their customer success strategy, methodology, and practice. And she said, would you come work for me and create that? And I said, you know what? I really wanted to take a sabbatical. Why don't we do it part-time, just consulting so I can have most of my time dedicated to my sabbatical agenda? And she said, yes. (laughs) She actually said yes. And so this was my first project. I did that for half a year. I set up their, their entire customer success strategy program, calls to action, processes, health score, what are they going to do for one-to-many, their newsletter cadence, everything. And then half a year later, they were on and we even implemented Gainsight. So it was just a great experience. And I remember after that, I showcased it back to the Gainsight team. They invited me to one of their team meetings to just showcase how we created that and integrated Gainsight into all the whole, the whole process. And then after that, you know, things just rolled from there. I got another client and another client. And a year later, I decided, well, 
is it is it just a hobby, something that I do on the side, or is this like a real thing? And I had to make a decision because because by then I started getting offers to becoming VP of customer success with my with this kind of experience. And I decided, no, you know what? Consulting is really my thing. This is what I'm most comfortable doing. And I, you know, created a legal entity, S-Corp, hired another person to help me out, and then things went from there. And the rest is history. So what is that about consulting that attracts you so much that you're so passionate about? Oh, gosh, that's a really great question. I think that when you work for someone, I certainly felt that I had a specific role and a specific area of responsibility. And if you wanted to go through other aspects of the business, you're sort of like out of place because it's somebody else's responsibility. And so when you're the CEO, (laughs) you can do whatever you want. You know, you can do accounting one day and then marketing the other and then dabble with sales and then, right, and then work with customers. The consulting side, first of all, if you're going to do consulting, you have to know that you would have to dabble with all of that. So if you really hate any, like jumping from topic to topic and handling your business, not just the clients, well, maybe that's not, maybe you should work for someone as a consultant because the consulting itself is a lot of fun. You go, you work with different companies, and you're trying to solve the same problem given different properties or attributes or scenarios that are being thrown at you. And so you have to be adjusting to that specific business model. So I love working with the executive team. I love you know coaching the CSMs and then see the change that is happening with the business. Now, that said, I think that as a consultant, the thing that you help, I feel like I'm helping the teams the most is to structure their thoughts around what they're going to do next. I think that's something that sometimes some people are struggling with as a group, as a team. And so when you can formulate the understanding of certain complex terminologies and concepts, and break it down for them to something that the team can digest and start doing themselves on their own, adopting and actually launching and working with customers. And you see the difference. That's, that's where the magic happens, really. So who are your customers? Well, who are the types of your customers at the moment? Are they mostly teams or individuals? Are they people who want to go into executive role or the first CSM role? Well, just wonder who they are. Right. So my CSM practice, the company that I set up is a strategy and management consulting firm. So what we do is we work with companies, specifically B2B, with enterprise solutions or a portfolio of solutions. And they're typically in the range of 50 million to half a billion. Sometimes we have clients that are over multiple billions of dollars. We had some very large multi-billion public companies that we've worked with. And every now and then we might have a smaller company, not necessarily a startup, but a smaller company that would be in the range of 10 to 15 million, but that's mostly rare. We might have one or two of those a year. Unfortunately, we don't have the bandwidth to work with 
individuals with CSMs or even customer success executives, we don't provide those kind of coaching. We do that in a sense when we actually work on a project to develop the strategy or the processes or the templates and implement it into the, the organization so that we affect their go-to market as it pertains to customer retention and expansion selling and value playbooks. That's where we do the coaching because we constantly meet with the leadership team to explain to them how those concepts relate to their specific business model. But we don't do one-on-one coaching as a program. There's other companies that do that and they're very good at it. <laughs> but then it's even more worthwhile what you're doing on your YouTube channel because mm. you are posting content there that is really for such a broad range of mm. customer success experiences. And I, in particular, I, I love most of them. I have seen many. I really love the ones that, that are designated to people who are looking into their first customer success role. Interestingly enough, you know, as a company, you're not doing that at all, but you have amazing tips and tools. So let's have a scenario. In my case, you know, a few years ago when I have seen customer success manager as a job role, I knew in that, from that moment on that that is going to be my career. And, you know, it took a little time of research and preparation and I was there. So there are other ladies out there in the world, maybe in a similar situation, currently just discovering that there is the world of customer success industry as a choice, career choice. What would you tell them? Where to start from? Okay, so there were two questions. One about the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is actually mostly me interviewing other customer success executives about their strategy processes. And some of the tips that I give out, you're right, there's every now and then something that's really specific to beginner CSMs. I think when I go to events or I'm being interviewed by others, they love asking me this question, just like you did as well. And I'm happy to help with that. I think that every, but for the most part, I'm trying to help people think through the strategy itself. So to be honest, when I do these YouTube videos, I think about different scenarios that I'm running into with my own clients. And then I do the video because not everybody can be my client. And so it's a great uh, platform to just share the knowledge with others, to just help them think through it and be more aware, aware of different customer success challenges that others are facing. And then if I can relay the same advice to them, that's great, right? And so it's a matter of how can I play in the community in a generous way, but also do it in a one-to-many kind of program versus in a scalable way versus, because I, I don't have the bandwidth to do these private coachings. I, I guess that's my way of, you know, playing in the community. As for your questions around, you know, what, where should you start? I, I think actually watching these videos, not just mine, everybody else's is a great way. Listening to your podcast as well as others is a great way when you're, you know, in your car and kind of starting to think about it. But if you were to find your very, very first customer success career and you've never done a customer success manager job, I think that's a little daunting if you're doing that for the very, very first time. And so what I typically recommend is that look at your history, your work history. I think that a successful customer success manager has different types of skills that they need to bring to the table. They need to be super organized. They need to be curious. 
have empathy and be able to create these relationships with customers fairly quickly. Maybe a bit analytical as well. If you're going to have a really big portfolio of customers, then you'll need to find out how to prioritize things fairly effectively, very quickly. But let's say you're coming from you know, a certain industry where, let's say you were an accountant. I think your best shot at getting your first customer success job is to find a software company that offers solutions for accountants. Because you will need, as a customer success manager, to develop that relationship very quickly. And so if you can connect with other accountants much faster than if you were to work for a software company that sells to the marketing team. So that's one thing that I would put in your mind as you're looking for your first customer success position. Try to think about companies that sell to people in your previous jobs. So what if... You don't have previous work experience if you're just out of university or you have just done some part-time, you know, maybe small jobs. Is there any type of a job that you could land as a graduate and, you know, work it for a year maybe and get the necessary experience? You know, what would that be? How, how to bridge that gap? There's different types of customer success management jobs. Highly strategic customer success manager that works with large accounts has to have a lot of industry experience. But if you're fresh out of college and this is what you're passionate about, know that you want to look for maybe startup companies or companies that have a solution that's a lot easier to use, that is not as complex to learn, but there's a lot to do in terms of increasing value for your customers and just managing the onboarding experience. So those are the companies you want to shoot for and there's plenty of them. I would look for companies where the pricing is on the website. That just to me means that most likely it's an easy onboarding experience and that the product is not super complex. And then they might have some larger enterprise clients where they do need a CSM to work with them. And that might be a good fit because you could learn the product really well and then bridge that cap, and you will be working probably with you know, a lot of customers. It's going to be a bit demanding job because you're going to have a lot of customers, but it's something that you know, is just one example of something that a younger or a more junior CSM could probably take on. Then the other risk is that as a customer success manager right out of college, because you don't have a lot of experience, some companies have a customer success job, but it's really premium support. So just be aware that those are the kind of opportunities that would be more easily available for you. And you might run into those more often than the you know, strategic CSM that has these amazing QBRs with clients on site with the executives in the room. They're probably not going to let you do that. So just think through your career path very thoughtfully. Is this you know, what do you want to do in life? And sometimes I also always tell my daughters, I have two teenage daughters, slow is fast and fast is slow. Excellent advice. You mentioned complexity of the product. So mm. from your experience, you know, there's always a debate going on on social media on how technical or how product knowledgeable should CSMs be. Mm. What is your experience? You know, a great CSM how product knowledgeable or technical amazing CSMs should be? It, it depends on the company you land in and it depends on your CSM role. 
But I would say, yes, take the time to learn the product. It's not like you're supposed to provide technical advice, but the deeper you know the product, the more specific advice that you can give and you would be less reliant on other folks. Now, given some of the listeners on this podcast might be working for companies with a very technical solution, and there's really no way that they can learn the product in and out. And so those type of teams typically would have a technical account manager or a success engineer, and you will need to just basically rely on those. That said, I would basically start with, at the very least, have an understanding, create a spreadsheet. What are the key features of your product? What makes it sticky? What is the differentiators for this product from your competitors? And then create a list of all of your accounts and say, what are my accounts using and what are they not using? And then have a plan to create a more sticky adoption plan so that that in and of itself, having a strategy, strategic mindset of increasing adoption in the right set of features will help you a lot as a customer success manager. And so if you don't understand the product at all, how can you drive adoption higher? You can't. So you'll need to, at the very least, understand those key features. Ibrit, let's go back to that search for that first CS job. Especially during this crisis, so many CS teams have just been wiped away. Others are hiring, but sometimes it doesn't seem that it's the easiest thing to get even the first CS job. What would be your advice? How to even secure the interview? What do you Um, need to do to stand apart for that part? You know, we recently published a blog with all the different resources of how to find your first job. So it includes all the job boards possibly imaginable around customers that are just dedicated to customer success, the different Slack channels that you can join, LinkedIn groups that you can join, all these different niches like meetups that you can go to, conferences that are done by smaller groups. So think about kind of like the Pulse uh, Pulse local meetups. Those are where you actually create those connections with other people from your industry. And sometimes you find about opportunities before they're even published. And just having a relationship with someone, you can create empathy, you can create a connection, and they might fight for you to get that job versus someone they don't even know that just the resume just got into to them through the internet. So, you know, back in the day when I was still working for software companies and consulting firms, when I was between jobs, the first thing that I've done is network with other people. And I think the best networking opportunities were where I actually had sat down with people and had coffee and sometimes it was just good advice. And sometimes they were able to connect me with someone else that might have a job opportunity open. those Those warm introductions are always better than having the resume sent over the internet. That said, my first job in the US, I sent 400 resumes online and one of them called me back and that's the job that I got. Amazing. What <laughs> so, are <What a> statistics? <laughs> yeah, you know, but you have to, that's what you sometimes have to do. You just have to be on top of it. You have to do the extraordinary if, you know, 
back then I didn't even have a visa. So I was here with my husband on an what we call an H4 visa. So I had to have a miracle happen to have anyone, you know, sponsor a visa for me. So yeah, it took 400 resumes and going to different, you know, on-site events where people just showcase the jobs that they had and go to every booth and introduce myself. And sometimes you just, just need to do a little bit of an overkill, I suppose, and not be shy. Well, that's actually a definition of resilience, what you have done. Well, I really wanted a job, Maria. <laughs> Didn't want to cook meatballs all day. Let's, let's put it this way. <laughs> so what would you tell to people who managed to land an interview? What do you need to do to prepare yourself? How to stand out? How to perform amazingly? Yeah. Well, think about your interview sort of as a, your marketing pitch. How do you and your specific skills, attributes, and attitudes map perfectly for this particular job? I remember when I was interviewing, the first thing that I've done is I looked carefully at the job description and I highlighted all the unique verbs that they used, all the specific tasks that they wanted me to do. And I thought to myself, did I do something similar to that? And I actually had a list of key points that I wanted to come across during the interview. So they may ask me one thing, I would answer it quickly and then get back to my point that I wanted to put across to them so that they understand that I'm unique for this position and this is why they want to hire me versus someone else. I think that's really important coming in, already knowing how you're going to pitch yourself with the, it's called like a vision match and use those specific verbs that they used in the job description. I think that goes away. Uh, you know, most people won't do that. The other thing is really understand how a customer success hiring process looks like versus something else that you went through. I actually have a YouTube video now that you mentioned the YouTube channel about the, you know, giving tips to hiring managers on how they can optimize that process. And so that is actually based on multiple conversations I had with different customer success executives around how do they go through the CSM interviews. And then I shared that in that YouTube video. It doesn't mean that that's exactly what you're going to have, but if you watch this, at least you can come a little bit more prepared. Sure, and um, people who are really looking to enter the industry in their preparation journey, what are the trainings or resources that you would recommend them to really carefully look at if they want to succeed in the role, even before they, they actually get it? I would say doing a going through a certification program is going to be beneficial for them because it shows commitment to their passion. There's one that's offered by Practical CSM. Uh, which sits in Europe, I believe in the UK, that I highly recommend. And I, I believe they're now offering a significant discount for anyone that's looking for a job. So I can include the link and the coupon for that, the, the discount code in the description for this podcast, if you like. But besides that, you know, this is actually going to be one of the key things, because when you go through this interview, you want to understand the lingo and you want to use it so that you seem like you really understand what you're walking into. The thing that not to do is probably, you know, just think that because you like working with people and that you love helping people and that 
you know, you're a people person, that that's going to get you the job. Being a customer success manager is not just about helping people. It's really about maximizing value for customers. And so I don't know how to tell you how many times I had conversations with people who wanted to find their next job that told me, hey, I really want to, don't, don't say that in the interview. Don't say, I really want to be a customer success manager because I love working with people. This is not going to get you the job. You say something like, I really want to get, be a customer success manager because you guys are working with marketing people and I totally understand what they're trying to accomplish. And I love what you guys are doing. And I think I can help them do their job better using your solutions. Now, that's what people want to hear. So, And then do your work, do your homework, understand what it is about the solution that the software companies you're interviewing for is helping the audience and the personas that they're selling into and then showcase that during the interview. So yeah, it's a lot of work, but you know, you have to sometimes, especially during, you know, post pandemic and the jobs are so scarce. Yeah. If you get an interview, be sure to prep for it. And in fact, if you can do that, attach that to your resume and say, Hey, you know, I understand that this is what you do. I would like to help your audience, you know, your whatever, whomever they work with, achieve maximum maximum value with your solution by doing X, Y, Z, like really show that you did the work. I think that that's another thing that would be more specific and would show that you took the extra mile. Irit, and for the end, I just wonder, do you have any role model in CS world? For me, of course, I have a few role models, actually. I think that if I mentioned any of them, everybody else would be maybe hurt because I have a lot of friends in this community and they're all pretty amazing. So I'd love to answer your question. (laughs) I think it would be like stepping on, on toes a little bit. I would say that one of the people that influenced me the most is Jim Eberlin. I think that he's just such an amazing human being. When I tried to model myself as a boss, as a CEO, I always tried to model myself after him, the founder of Gainsight. Definitely one of the most unique, humble, natural leaders that I've met and worked with. And uh, that's, that's basically how I try to model myself as well. Thank you for that, Irit. This was the first part of my conversation with Irit Izips. Stay tuned for the next episode where Irit is sharing strategies on developing your persona as a leader in the industry. And in the meanwhile, check out Irit's YouTube channel for more customer success tips and strategies. Look out for CSM practice. I would like to hear from you, so connect on LinkedIn, Instagram and womeninCSpodcast.com. If you would like to spread the word, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Have a great day and talk to you soon.